0: Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Nick at Night Show. We've got a whole host of things on the schedule for you this evening. Um, To begin with, you know, before I start the show, I'm getting some feedback. Why am I getting feedback? Uh, I probably have a level up too high somewhere. Let me turn these down just a little bit and that might help. Okay, anyway, um, before we get into the show tonight, as you all know, I love Canadian history, and there was, i look back a lot of times into our history for examples and uh, you know inspiration. For the, it, I'm always amazed at how tough people were. Like, I've given dozens of examples before. One of my favorite is just drive out in the country sometime on the Upper Ottawa Valley, drive through Wilno as an example, and just look at those stone fences. Every single rock in them was moved by hand. I mean, you think, and that was after they cut down trees, uprooted the trees, and cleared the land. Then they had to pick up what we call the Polish potatoes out of the ground. Now, life, of course, was different then than it is now, and each generation has its own stresses and and challenges and so on. But I think generally, we're just not quite as tough as we used to be. Now, I have a song here for you. I want I want to introduce you, if you don't know him, uh, to a guy. He's a su- singer songwriter out of Coburg. His name is Angus Finnan and he is a storyteller in the vein of uh, Gordon Lightfoot as a matter of fact Gordon Lightfoot's one of his heroes um and he tells a story uh he t- well he tells a lot of stories but in this case it's about the building of the of the of the um Canadian Pacific Railway out in eastern Ontario and w- when they were laying that section of it the song is called Swing Boys Swing i'm going to play it for you it t- it's just it just to give you an example of the kind of um, challenges that were overcome without all the advantages we have of technology and, and you know um, the advances in science and, and things like that that we have to d- draw from now, uh, that they still managed to get Herculean things done. So this is Swing Boy Swing. It's by Angus Finnan. It only runs about three and a half minutes. When it's done, we'll kick the show off. But I just thought I'd share it with you just to give you an example of the kind of people that we come from.
1: Town hall where I was tend and stable. Swing boy swing together rise and fall. I heard a foreman cry, all hands strong and able, won't you join our gang? Come on, heed the call, and it's swing boy swing. Godspeed your hammers, swing boy swing, grunt and heave and wail. Swing boy swing to hell with all your manners. Swing boy swing, strike the ties and rails. There were men of every walk from prisoners up to masons. Swing boy swing together rise and fall. "'Engineers with talk of lines to cross a nation. "'An iron horse will run through field and forest tall. "'And it's Swing, Boy, Swing!' God speed your hammers, swing boys, swing, grunt and heave and wail swing boys, swing. To hell with all your manners, swing boys, swing. Spike the ties and rails. I ah, will first we laid the trunk from Kingston up to Coburg, swing boys, swing. Together rise and fall. Then the Lindsay line, Port Hope to Mariposa, timber, pork and ale. Bound for Montreal And it's Swing, boys, swing Godspeed your hammers Swing, boys, swing Grunt and heave and wail Swing, boys, swing To hell with all your manners Swing, boys, swing Spike the ties and rails and we sweat dawn to dusk in every kind of weather. Swing boys, swing together, rise and fall. Sun so blisterin' hot, your skin was turned to leather. Wind and rain so hard, at times we had to crawl. And it's swing boys, swing. Godspeed your hammers Swing, boys, swing Grunt and heave and wail Swing, boys, swing To hell with all your manners Swing, boys, swing Spike the ties and rails Sure, there's some who shirk and groan At the life here in the shanties Swing, boys, swing Together rise and fall Gents who pine and moan for the comforts of the fancy, not too keen on gruel or gearing up to brawl. And it's swing, boys, swing. God speed your hammers. Swing, boys, swing. Grunt and heave and wail. Swing, boys, swing. To hell with all your manners. Swing, boys, swing. Spike the ties and rails. Ah, but winter's coming nigh respite we will savor swing boys swing together rise and fall but come first breath of spring i'll return to sell my labor ringing through the woods you'll hear us young men bark just swing boy swing God speed your hammers Swing, boys, swing Grunt and heave and wail Swing, boys, swing To hell with all your manners Swing, boys, swing Spike the ties and rails
0: And there you go. That's Angus Finnan. That's Swing, boys, swing and it talks a lot about uh, some of the hardships of the guys who built that uh, railway and it's not Hang on a second. Hang on. i got to kill that. There we go. Uh, some of the challenges that these people had to go through in order to lay the foundation for our country. Now, okay, I just want to kick that off just because, first of all, I like the tune, i got to admit. And Every once in a while, you got to throw a little something different into the thing, you know. So I threw that into the hopper and hope you enjoyed it. And if not, well, it's over. Now, diving back into the modern day, some of the challenges we face are things like this out of Peel. Muslim prayer issue reaches boiling point at Peel board meeting. Now, this is about a public school. A public school. Now, as I understand it, they're supposed to be secular. They're not supposed to have any prayer or religious affiliation at all in a public school. There's a private school or a separate school system for that. It's called the Catholic school. Now, the Catholic school board has done some pretty dumb things, especially around Toronto. Uh, about four years ago, there was a big hullabaloo over having um, a Muslim prayer room put in a Catholic high school, you know, or a Catholic school. I don't know, high school or grade school. Uh, And that was quite the furor. Uh, But now they've got this meeting. So the meeting is going on, and there's a lot of um, chaos because they want every Friday they're going to have a prayer meeting, and the people who are involved, uh, there's a certain group that want a Muslim prayer, but the, the, the point is that they want to have it written by the local imam. Now, this is a public school. There's not supposed to be any religion in it. Let me share with you some of this, and I'll see if you if can make any sense out of it. Delegations at the Peel District School Board Tuesday, January, 2nd, uh, January 10th meeting, which was yesterday, descended into a spectacle that encapsulates the tension that was surging in the room. I was extremely disappointed at how people conducted themselves this evening, said Chair Janet McDougald, characterizing the events as a new low for decorum and respect. Given the police presence and increased security at the HJA Brown Education Center, it was clear staff were anticipating blowback from a report on the agenda regarding religious accommodation for Muslim students. The tea leaves weren't difficult to read, as a censoring student written as... Censoring student-written sermons for Friday prayer has been a sore point among offended Muslims and those who take issue with religion in public school. Some, however, take it one step further than that. After a current and former student each commended the board for its decision to alter the procedure for Friday prayer, the circus ensued. Greeting everyone in Arabic was Delegate Eric Brazo. He seemed to have the crowd fooled until he began criticizing the Muslim faith as well as exclusive accommodation for Muslims in the board report, written by Education Director Tony Pontes. One aspect that Brazil found worrisome was how sermons for Friday prayer must be in English, save for any parts of the Koran cited in Arabic. Up next was a dele- delegate who de- identified himself as Ron Bannerj. He did much of the same, but decided to say things like, Islam is poison, and tell agitated spectators to shut up. In an effort to stop Banerj, uh, McDougald McDougal referenced previous delegates. If you want to discuss this with respect, take a little lesson from our students. A woman then stood up, started waving a book, and shouting at everyone. Amid the commotion, she appeared to be denouncing Islam. Peel Police officers quickly waded through the audience and removed her. Board communications staff confirmed that the woman wasn't arrested, but was made to leave the property. The chaos immediately paused the meeting. Now, there's a video here. If you want to know what that sounds like. So, I'll cost you a little bit. There is a little bit of uh rough language in it. Uh, it's hard to hear amongst all the chaos, but that's uh you know, it's if you hear anything, there's the uh, I think there's an F bomb in it somewhere. But given the passion of the of the crowd that's going on here. So, this is what that meeting sounds like. It's only 36 seconds long. I don't know if you could tolerate any more of it. Here it is. That's what that sounded like. Now, there's more to the article. But the point here is this was all because the Peel Board of Education couldn't say no. They couldn't say to the Muslims, I'm sorry, this is a secular institution. You want to come here and learn? Fine. But there will be no Friday prayers. We will not make any accommodation for your religion. If we're not going to do it for the Catholics, if we're not going to do it for the Protestants, if we're not going to do it for the Jews, Sikhs, or Hindus, why are we going to do it for you? If you can't accommodate everyone in a public school setting that way, then you don't accommodate anyone. It's really not hard. So these people go out, go out and they, they cause all this fuss, and you know they, they, they demand this, and they demand that, and the board sits there and goes, oh, no, oh, we can't handle controversy And yet, handling controversy is exactly what the board is for. Actually, not—they're not there to handle controversy. They make sure it doesn't happen in the first place by simply maintaining the status quo, so that everybody understands what the excuse me what the rules are, and they don't have to go on and on and on about what it is. You know, try to make these accommodations. Look, in certain circumstances, accommodation is certainly. An option if you want to accommodate somebody or something on a temporary basis or something like that. But when it comes down to fundamental principles, like a public school board that's paid for by taxpayers, okay, that's not in the charter, uh, that's not built right into our Constitution like the separate school board is. So I just sit there and just shake my head at how these people can't just look at somebody and say, I'm sorry, we don't do that here. You don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to get up in their face about it. You just say, no. It's like when, you, when your child comes to you and says, Dad, I want to I want to uh, go out Thursday night to a to a, a movie party over at my friend's place. And you look at him and say, I'm sorry, it's a school night. No, you can't go. You're not being mean. You're just telling him the facts of life. That on school nights, you don't have movie nights that keep you up till 1 in the morning when you get school and you're out of bed by 6.30. It's not being mean. It's doing your job. And these school boards, and I'm picking on school boards, especially this one in Peel, because they're the ones that allowed this to happen in the first place. Oh, by the way, I should give you the numbers if I want you to call. Excuse me. The numbers are 343-700-4390. 844-562-4766. 343-700-4390. Or eight four four five six two four seven six six. 562 4766 So you got any thoughts, any comments on that? By all means, go ahead and jump in. But you know that that's the whole point of the show. But this whole absolute nonsense is Simply for no other reason than these guys cannot say no. Well, it's not hard to say no. It's just, you just have to know when. And this is one of those times when you need to say, I'm sorry, we can't accommodate that. You know, and look at the trouble they get into when they don't do it. All right, time to take a quick break. We'll have, uh, we'll we'll take a little uh, commercial break here. And When we come back, we'll have more on the Nick and Night Show right after this. Hmm.
2: We often hear about the supposed dangers of human induced climate change. But what about the disastrous consequences of climate policy? For example, the closing of Ontario's coal stations was the single most important cause of the 318% rise in power rates since 2002. Thousands of industrial wind turbines are being erected across the province, killing birds and bats and ruining the lives of people living nearby. The expanded use of biofuels has led to 6.5% of the world's grain going to fuel instead of food. Only 6% of the $1 billion spent every day on climate finance goes to helping people today. The rest is dedicated to trying to stop climate change that may someday happen. Yet the reports of the non-governmental International Panel on Climate Change show that the science backing the climate scare is highly uncertain. Isn't it time we focused on problems we know to be real? This message is brought to you by ClimateScienceInternational.org.
0: All right. Thanks for sticking with us folks. The number's again are 343-700-4390-844-562-4766. You can also reach me by the way by dropping me an email at com. and <clears throat> excuse me, you can also do it via Facebook. I try to keep all the lines of communication open. All right, now there is another story here I want to get into. Um, oh, of course, Trump uh, had his first press um, uh, meeting with the press corps after the election today. And you know something? I have said this all along, that Trump is not going to be nearly as good as a lot of people hope. But on the other hand, he's not going to be nearly as bad as a lot of people are afraid of. So here's the thing. He comes out today, and there's this this whole fake news story about him going to Russia and just, um, you know, dropping, the, getting involved with prostitutes. And I heard his press conference today, and he really slapped down CNN. I mean, he just laid it laid into him, and as he should, because he, he, he said something that I thought made perfect sense. He said, look, I am a relatively high, you know, I'm a pretty high-profile traveler. And I tell people this all the time. When you go into a hotel room in a foreign country, especially in Russia, you got to know there's cameras everywhere. And with today's technology, you're never going to see them. You'll never even know they're there. But the next thing you know, you'll be watching yourself on the late-night news. So don't do anything in those motel rooms or hotel rooms that you don't want on the news. And he said, besides, if any of that stuff was true, the Russians would have released it. So it was just absolute. Complete nonsense. They made this stuff up. In a nutshell, they made it up. And it's all because uh, you know who who's confessing to having released that stuff or provided the information was Senator John McCain, a Republican, who is a sworn enemy of Trump and <laughs> was intimately involved in getting that bogus information out. Now, one of the things that happened uh, concerning Trump was we all f- are familiar with the uh, Meryl Streep uh situations. Um <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> when she won her Golden Globe um at the awards night the other night, she went on for five or six minutes weeping and crying and carrying on and oh it was something else. She's horrible. I can't believe what was going on. Was just, she moved me, man. Alright. Anyway, just so there's a story today, and uh, where's it out of? Uh, it's called "Polizet: Politics Explained. And it's it's uh, the world's, um, uh, let's see, WSJ editor says, Golden Globe tirade: the kind of political rec- correctness that voters rejected. Okay, and I know, so we scoot down here to what the editor had to say. And he sums up the whole article in this paragraph. And his name is uh, Henniger. So he says, Henniger appointed to Canadian actor Ryan Gosling, whose own acceptance speech that same night lacked any of the political rancor contained within Streep's. Ryan Gosling, I think, is probably a liberal. But for, but for the life of me, why can't more of them be like Gosling and stand up there and give a straightforward speech, thank his friends, thank his family, and get off? I mean, they're actors. And isn't that the truth? I mean, what makes Meryl Streep's opinion so much more important than yours or mine? Understand what actors and actresses do for a living. And I'm not knocking this. It's just that's the way it is. You have a situation where these people pretend their whole professional lives to be somebody they're not. Think about it. Do you think William Shatner is really James T. Kirk of the USS Enterprise? Do you think that uh, Cumberbatch is really Sherlock Holmes? No, of course not. These people pretend, and in the world of entertainment, that's completely fine. That's the name of the game. They're very good pretenders, but that's all they are. Now, in a so I'm I'm watching this and I'm thinking it was just that he's absolutely right. This is the kind of nonsense. That voters rejected when they elected Trump, Trump got elected not so much because he was flamboyant and he was a lot of things, and you know made a lot of he's self promoting pompous kind of guy all right, well, guess what there's a lot of politicians fit that bill. he's not unique on that front; he just has a lot more money and a bigger platform than most of us do to do it, but Meryl Streep comes out and just Look, I don't care what you think of Meryl Streep as an actress. From what I can tell, she's a pretty good one. But she has no more political acumen than you or I do. And yet they think that because they make millions of dollars pretending that somehow the whole world should stop and bow down at their feet and listen to what they have to say. The same thing happened with DiCaprio. Remember that when he stood before the UN and talked about climate change while he flew in on a private jet to New York or Brussels or wherever he gave the speech? You know, just being complete hypocrites. So I just thought that was rather interesting um, when you when you think about that. Here you got a guy who's a multi-billionaire. Doesn't you, you can't blackmail him because he doesn't need the money. He's proud of the skeletons in his closet, and you know he's <laughs> You realize even before what the stock markets have done. He's got, at le- he's got commitments out of at least five or six major manufacturers to move either expand plants in the United States or bring plants back to the United States, bringing with them tens of thousands of jobs. And the guy isn't even inaugurated yet. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine who's in the intelligence community in the United States um, uh, a couple of days ago. And they were telling me that the intelligence community is ecstatic with the China changes and the choices that Mr. Trump is making about putting his team in place. And this is why the left is going crazy. Because he is going to be able to unravel the vast majority of the damage they've done over the last eight years. They're going to have people in positions who are not only patriotic, but competent. Wouldn't that be a switch compared to the... um, the, the, The Hillary Clintons of the world who played at being uh, Secretary of State and let people on her watch die that didn't have to, like in places like Benghazi, remember? Okay, so he's not going to be perfect, but he's going to be a lot less damaging and actually accomplish things that the former administration is just going to go around the bend because he is not a globalist. He does not believe in the U.N., There's all kinds of things that they despise about him. They've been working towards that he's going to destroy. That alone's worth getting elected for. Now, if only we could get the same thing going on up here. All right. Now, speaking of, let's see if I got the right story. Oh, you're not going to believe this. This is just, okay. We've all heard of transgendered this and, and trans that. You know what the, tran- the latest trans is? It's trans-abled. And that is what that boils down to is people who are perfectly healthy and in, in, you know, physically don't have any disabilities, self-inflict disabilities on themselves. They actually go to their surgeon or their doctor and they say, "I want you to take my legs. I want you to take an arm off. Make me blind, make me paralyzed." because i don't uh, um, who i think i am doesn't match what i what i am physically now the first thought i had in my mind is if this who are these surgeons who are doing this if i knew that the surgeon that we had surgeons in canada spending canadian taxpayer dollars on ha- on helping healthy people remove limbs or make them blind, on purpose, I hit the freaking roof. You realize what a slap in the face is to those that, those to those, uh, that is, who have legitimate reasons for not having a set of legs, whether through birth defect or accident, or or, or uh, injuries suffered during war. What about people who are born blind or go blind because of, you know, uh, a car accident, an industrial accident, whatever it is. They didn't ask for the disability. They have to learn to cope with it. But to be able to cope with it, to be able to cope with life with all your faculties and then decide that you don't feel like, you know, it, that doesn't suit who you think you are, the problem is not the fact you have legs. The problem is in your head. Now, I'm going to see if I can get this video to work because there's a guy on here called Clive. Uh, Clive, uh, what's your last name, Clive? Well, hang on. Let's see if this will work. Okay. Clive Baldwin. That's him. Now, this runs about $2.28. two $2. 28. <laughs> um, two minutes, 28 seconds. We'll take... No, we've got time. Uh, I'll play this for you. Then we'll go to the commercial break. But you're not going to believe what this guy has to say. So take a minute and just listen to this. This will blow you away. It will if I bring up the volume
3: to move from being able-bodied on, to start this video over again, uh, you being disabled. Transability there is the desire or need to move from being able-bodied to uh, being disabled through <coughs> choice rather than happenstance. There are a number of notions about the causation of this, but people who identify as transabled um, feel the need to align their body, their physical body, with their their body map, the largest number want some form of amputation, um, either one or two legs or one or two arms. Um, a number want to be paralysed, and they have a very specific point at which they want their body to be paralysed. Um, one person we have spoken to wants to become blind uh, and another wants um, a penectomy, the removal of his penis. For most people, I don't think transability um, is, is even on the radar. But it's not something that you would commonly come across and it's something outside of the, so, the usual social imagination. We need to move away from pathologising people and appreciating the, you know, the, the the very real distress they, they experience they are you know they are not pretending they are not faking they are not playing at it it isn't whim that they want a leg removed you know, you know, the people I've interviewed have very very carefully considered the options and you know at present, you know, for a number amputation is the only way forward. Most people would rather not have these feelings <laughs> um, you know, but they do and they don't go away. So we you know the society needs to appreciate that you know, however strange it sounds, you know, it isn't beyond the pale to you know allow people to. Align their body
0: with how they feel they ought to. No, Clive, what society has to realize is that people like you are not only enablers, you're nuts. This is absolutely insane. Now, this story actually comes to us from the 3rd of June 2015. I only just found out about it now. That's why I'm bringing it to your attention. I'm sorry, this is just so insane. Why, why would anyone, can you imagine having, if you're going into for counseling and you tell your counselor, look, I just don't feel whole with four legs, with four legs, with four limbs. I think I would, my, my image would fit my body. what the, pardon me, but what the hell is a body map? Where did that term come from? Am I the only one that sits here and thinks these people are Looney Tunes? Like this, the, These people need to be locked up with, with, uh, in sports jackets with wraparound sleeves and happy straps and fed with a spoon twice at three times a day. This is certifiable insanity. These people need to be laid on a psychologist, psychiatrist's couch and have their head examined, not their limbs removed. But you see where this all comes from, is when you let anything go, everything's gone. Remember the whole transgender thing? Well, I feel like a man today, but a woman tomorrow and a girl the following day and a dog the day after that. Remember all that that's still going on? This is the next extension. This is the next, I dare, I hate to use it. I hate to say it. Well, that's the next logical extension. It's just we keep chipping away at what's normal till there's nothing nothing left for that you can call normal. Everything is some kind of aberration. The next thing you're going to say is the normal attraction between a man and a woman is some kind of malady, some kind of uh, um, mental illness. This kind of stuff just, oh, man, I'm telling you. So I just thought I'd bring that to your attention because I'm, I know we've, there's it got some comments on Facebook, but this stuff is just, I don't know what to say. Anyway, so that was a little bit on that. All right, no electric cars. will do that in a minute. Hang on, I'm going to take a quick break. We come back. We'll have more right after this. Timmo's 2000 Mobile Auto Cleaning comes right to your driveway and makes your vehicle look brand new again. Classic cars, bikes, boats, RVs, dump trucks, hot rods, tractors, transport trucks. We can even make your minivan look like the day you drove it off the lot. Did you spill too much coffee on your seat? Did Junior decide he couldn't wait till he got home? And yuck, maybe you're just long overdue for that meticulous cleaning. Maybe you want to sell the old beast. Smartest thing you can do is make it look brand new again. Timmo's 2000, 613-327-8498, 613-327-8498, or go to timos2000.com.
4: What happened here? We 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 didn't do this, Jay Council. I should have did this for you. I didn't schedule it for tonight, and okay. I don't know why. It does that to me.
3: Sorry. Sorry. So, get rid of this schedule.
2: Go over here. Log out. Sign
5: in. Okay. All right. You're
4: a bit on there now for it says a bit uh, an hour and twenty three minutes.
3: From nine to eleven,
5: okay.
3: Dashboard. And uh you're
0: on air right now. You're on air right now. Okay, let's go. You were on air. Okay, one of the beauties of live radio is that sometimes it throws you a curve. Okay, now. Uh, First of all, let me go to Facebook and let everybody know that I'm back. We just had a technical glitch, something we had to reset. So apparently the first part of the show you didn't hear. Um, Where did it go? There we are. All right, so I'm just going to start the show all over again. So let's roll with the opening theme. Here we go. that's what's supposed to happen a little while ago. My apologies. We got it sorted out. Nick at Night is now live. All right. At 343-700-4390, 844-562-4766. I want to go back to, uh, go back. Let's start with, um, oh, when you know it. Okay. There was a situation. Well, let's start with Donald Trump. Donald Trump gave his press conference today for the first time. Uh, since his meeting with the, um, since he won, since since, uh, he's become the president-elect. And he had to deal with some pretty nasty stuff. Apparently, uh, where is John McCain? Yeah, Uh, John McCain gave some uh, news media some, well, I guess questionable would be the way to put it. Okay, error-riddled documents—another way to say it—gave uh, it to CNN and another blog news outlet. That's shady at the best of times, and it talk about the ultimate in fake news. And in the document, it, uh, accused Trump of of being in Russia and in bed with Putin and uh, messing around prostitutes while in, while in Moscow and all this sort of stuff. And McCain spent the first part of his uh, press conference just saying what utter trash that was. The whole idea was just nonsense, absolute nonsense. But the question I have is what? Look, I know that John McCain and Trump don't like each other. But would you really, really, really just make crap up and then give it to the CIA and and CNN and say, run with this? Now, the vast majority of news outlets looked at it and said, we're not touching that. There's no links, there's no verifiable, there's no way to verify this is even remotely possible. You know, it's just, and MSNBC and ABC and all the other alphabet soup type news organizations stayed away from it except for CNN. So here's a little bit of the story about Senator John McCain and what he had to do with it. Senator John McCain admitted Wednesday that he gave the FBI a dossier detailing claims of a Russian blackmail plot against President-elect Donald Trump. The Arizona lawnmaker, a longtime Trump critic (that's putting things mildly), uh, made up the public statement question piled up about as questions piled up about his alleged uh, alleged role in spreading an unverified and error, error-riddled document that Trump has denounced as a complete and total fabrication. Last year, received sensitive information that has since been made public, McCain said. Upon examination of the contents and unable to make a judgment about their accuracy, I delivered the information to the director of the FBI. That has been the con- extent of my contact with the FBI or any other government. Wait a minute. If you, cannot, if you cannot make a judgment about the accuracy, if you have doubts in your mind, then why would you give to anybody? So if this works the way I think it'll work, okay, let me hold that. I'm going to put this here because this is going to be Donald Trump's response. It's only 39 seconds. Hang on, Donald, you're ahead of me. Uh, It's only 39 seconds long. But uh, here's Donald Trump, and he's uh, giving his what he thinks of it. Let me bring that up. Just gone up a notch. Okay. All right. All right. So the audio wasn't that great on it, but basically we're just saying look, it, should, it never should have been made public. It should, never should have been released. But he thanked the mainstream media for the most part, with the exception of CNN, for not running with it. All right. Let's bring on a call. Uh, let's see. Caller, are you there? Oh, there we go. Hang on. Good it's evening. Robert. Can, can you hear me now? I can hear you.
4: So, what do you expect from uh the lamestream media? You know, like they did it for 9 years on Harper. They don't even give Donald Trump a chance. They don't even give him a 6-month honeymoon. Uh the CBC is still in love with sorry, but the name uh, I call him ope. and uh you know, like it's it's going to be like this for 4 years.
0: Well, Here's the thing, and I think Trump made a good point. He said, for the most part, the media stayed away from this story. It was only CNN. That was the only mainstream, if you want to call it, or lamestream if you prefer, news organization. Well, the Clinton
4: News Network.
0: Yeah. Well, Ted Turner, right? So the the whole point was they were the only ones who decided this was worth running with. And when you think about it, um, all the other ones who hate Trump just as much as anybody else does, At least had the integrity to say, I'm sorry, there's not a shred of evidence this stuff is true. We can't touch this.
4: Well, it's a first for them. It's a very first for them.
0: Well, you know what? Sometimes you build bridges one brick at a time, right? Yep. So I certainly hope that 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 continues, but I don't expect it. I think there's going to be a lot of animosity between the mainstream media and Trump moving forward, especially as they watch him begin to dismantle everything that will—or I shouldn't say dismantle, I should say repair— Everything that Donald, mm. uh, the former administration, just tried to destroy.
4: Well, for 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 to fix the eight years of uh, Obama, uh, I don't even think eight years with Trump's gonna be enough. Well, that's my that's that's my opinion. I think
0: he's look at what he's done already. Already, he's got Ford, he's got um, was it Chrysler? He's got two out of the three big automakers back in town. He's got Apple. That's good. Yeah, He's got Apple uh, bringing jobs either back or expanding a plant in Arizona. Uh, There's a new car plant. I think that's Ford going up in in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, So there's thousands of jobs. He's not even in office. But
4: that's only going to keep if he keeps his promise to bring the corporate tax down to 15% and all the money that's in the offshore bank accounts, they can bring it back into the country, and he's only going to charge 10% tax. That was his promise. If he keeps that, then he's going to get all the companies on board.
0: Well, he's smart enough a businessman to know that that kind of a promise will pay itself back. Because everybody's going to say, "Well, what about loss of income to the national treasury?" Those people don't understand, uh, you know, th- two things: diminishing returns, and by lowering the rate, you and, but increasing the amount, you actually make more money. So, and he because you understand. create jobs and people will pay income tax. Precisely. That's in a nutshell. That's what I'm saying. So. I, I think he's smart enough to realize that. So we're going to um, give him the benefit of the doubt for now. And so far, he has been a pleasant surprise. Well, we've
4: got to give him a six-month honeymoon. We, You know, like, like every other... Po- he's not a politician, but like every other politician before him, I think Obama was given a year honeymoon. Uh, Trudeau was given a year and a half, and are still in love with him, but the CBC anyways, the, the brainwashing corporation, but... Uh, and uh, the only the only one that was very hard on Trudeau was uh, was it Lisa Laflamme or the other one at the e- year end interview? I didn't hear it because I can't stand to hear his voice. But I heard she was pretty hard on him.
0: Well, the, and the other one is Rex Murphy. I always thought uh, Rex was uh, of all the CBC uh, mainline journalists, he's been the most balanced and fair, I think. But coming. Back, but I heard like, also I heard
4: also through Facebook that uh, it's either Lisa Laflamme. Or what's the other one? On is it which uh, one is on the weekend? And
0: oh, I don't know. I, I don't watch the States. So anyways,
4: one of them did the, I think it was Lisa Laflamme, did the year-end interview when, uh, on Facebook. There's a lot of people that listen to it. And uh, even on the Ottawa Sunday said she was very hard on him.
0: Good. He, he needs so, to somebody to be hard on. But remember <laughs> something. In the States, uh, it's not the first year or six months. It's the first 100 days. That's when they begin to pass judgment on the pri- on the president. His first 100 days sets the tone for the rest of his administration. So we'll see 100 days. But it's not the same
4: him. thing for it's uh, not the same thing for Canada, though, is it?
0: No, they, the honeymoon t- tends to last a little longer unless you're conservative.
4: Yeah, that's true. It's a uh, hundred days if you're conservative, but it's uh, a year and a half to two years if you're a liberal.
0: I think the blush is beginning to come off the rose of Trudeau. I mean, this last vacation trip down to to Aga Khan's private island. Uh, now, from what I understand, Mr. Khan is a very charitable man. Very, he does a lot of really good work. It's not a it's not a question of of anything along that line. But it's the conflict of interest angle that is going to get Trudeau into trouble over this. Um, because, but is the
4: CBC reporting that though? Well, That's the thing. People are listening to CBC and they're listening to CTV, and CTV. So far, I've listened to the the the, the evening news every night, and they haven't mentioned too much about this.
0: Oh jeez, hang on a second. I got a video running in the background here. I got to find and kill. You got a video? Be... <laughs> Still having technical issues? No, it's it, sometimes because I've, I've got a bunch of stories open here, right? And uh, okay. what happens is I'm just scrolling through them. But when I do that, uh, sometimes you have a, a problem. Uh, uh, the Nipigon Bridge—that's the one. It was CBC's report. Oh, gee, <laughs>
4: yeah, the, the the famous lifting bridge in the in the what, cold.
0: What is it with liberals and lifting and bridges? How come they can't build them? Anyway. Well,
4: it's not only this. Look look at the uh, the, the the pedestrian bridge over the airport parkway. Well, that's uh, the the in bridge Europe. in Stitsville uh, it's sinking. Uh, the uh, Strandherd bridge.
0: What what went wrong with that well, one? That's why it I it, said, it was ma- 2 years with, that but Robert, that's why I said what's the matter? What is it with liberals and bridges? Why can't they build them? Because it doesn't matter. But who what's was in charge
4: did. Who was in charge in 1889? Was it still McDonald?
0: 1889.
4: Yeah, that's when they built the rail, the the transcontinental oh, that, that railroad. Thing. Like in four years, with pitchforks and shovels and human slave labor, they were able to build a train from across the country. Actually, now I, it takes five years they can't build a pedestrian bridge with all the modern equipment we got.
0: I know. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much for the call.
4: Uh, uh, just one second. Can I ask one little last now, thing?
0: All right, but only because okay.
4: About the, your fourteenth of December podcast, can we please get it on?
0: <laughs> I'll see if I I'll talk to you, John and see what we can do. Uh, uh, see if I can get that up. I'm well, you said it was
4: a great show, and I would like to listen to it.
0: All right, okay. All right, Robert, we'll work on that. Thanks for the call. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. Now, uh, speaking of that, I have a song here on Spotify, and because uh, every once in a while, you just got to have a little fun, and. Um, there's a songwriter out of Coburg, Ontario. His name is Angus Finnan. And his hero is, uh, he's a storyteller in the vein of Gordon Lightfoot. And that's his hero. He really likes the way that Gordon tells stories. And Angus is no slouch at it either. So I've got a song about the building of the CPR in this end of the country. Uh, and as you listen to the song, you'll get what I mean you can actually, in your mind, you can see the guys working on the rails, right, and and going through all the challenges that were apparent in those times when they were trying to build the CPR across the, um, you know, the uh, um, eastern half of the country uh, from the Great Lakes towards the west. And, boy, I'll tell you, this song, this is called Swing Boy Swing. This is Angus Finnan. This runs about three and a half minutes, so... Enjoy it, because it's a little slice of Canadian history. It's a great story, and it's a great Canadian songwriter. I like his style. I like his voice, and he's got a great story to tell. Here he is. At the old town hall
1: where I was tending stable. Swing, boys, swing, together rise and fall. I heard a foreman cry, all hands strong and able. Won't you join our gang? Come on, heed the call. And it's Swing, boys, swing, God speed your hammers Swing, boys, swing Grunt and heave and wail Swing, boys, swing To hell with all your manners Swing, boys, swing Spike the ties and rails There were men of every walk From prisoners up to masons Swing, boys, swing Together rise and fall Engineers with talk of lines to cross a nation, an iron horse'll run through field and forest tall, and it swing boy swing. Godspeed your hammers Swing, boy, swing Grunt and heave and wail Swing, boy, swing To hell with all your manners Swing, boy, swing Spike the ties and rails Ah, well, first we laid the trunk From Kingston up to Coburg Swing, boy, swing Together rise and fall Then the Lindsay line, Port Hope to Mariposa, Timber, Pork and ale, bound for Montreal. And it's swing, boys, swing, Godspeed your hammers. Swing, boys, swing, grunt and heave and wail. Swing, boys, swing, to hell with all your manners. Swing, boys, swing, spike the ties and rails. And we sweat dawn to dusk in every kind of weather. Swing, boys, swing together, rise and fall. Sun so blisterin' hot, your skin was turned to leather. Wind and rain so hard, at times we had to crawl. And it's swing, boys, swing. God speed your hammers. Swing, boys, swing, grunt and heave and wail. Swing, boys, swing, to hell with all your manners. Swing, boys, swing, spike the ties and rails. Sure, there's some who shirk sure and groan at the life here in the shanties. Swing, boys, swing, together rise and fall. Gents who pine and moan for the comforts of the fancy Not too keen on gruel or gearing up to brawl And it's swing, boys, swing God speed your hammers Swing, boys, swing Grunt and heave and wail Swing, boys, swing To hell with all your manners Swing, boys, swing Spike the ties and rails Ah, but winter's coming nigh respite we will savor swing boys swing together rise and fall but come first breath of spring i'll return to sell my labor ringing through the woods you'll hear us young men bark. just swing boys swing God speed your hammers. Swing, boys, swing. Grunt and heave and wail. Swing, boys, swing. To hell with all your manners. Swing, boys, swing. Spike the ties and rails.
0: There you go. That's Angus Finnan and Swing, Boy swing. That's, I love that kind of stuff because it's, it's so Canadian. And it just tells our story. And it just... Absolutely love that stuff. He's a great artist. He's got a bunch of others. Maybe I'll play another one later on this evening called O'Shaughnessy's Lament. And it's about a, a silver miner up in Coburg, Ontario, up in, uh, sorry, Cobalt, Ontario, uh, from the 18, <sighs> late 1800s. I can't remember the decade. But uh, when I saw him live, he was telling us a story. He, he came to the Wilno Tavern out, out in uh, eastern Ontario and He um, was telling us the story of how, because he wrote that song based on a tombstone. Now, what's really funny is that uh, my daughter went for, was was taking um, one of my nieces up north to a school, um, a post secondary institution of some kind. And they went past this road near Cobalt, Ontario that said Cemetery Road. And she remembered uh, Angus telling us about seeing the same sign, pulling up to it, getting out and walking around in the graveyard looking at all the stones. And he saw this one that had O'Shaughnessy on it and noticed the dates and, and the, of uh, you know the birth and death of the individuals and saw that there was a woman and two infants that had died in childbirth. And then 47 years later there was the husband's name. So he had, the story goes on to tell his as from Angus Finnan's point of view, what must have happened? It's a kind of a heart-wrenching story, but it's so typical of the kind of life that a lot of people who built this country lived. So, I'm a big Angus and fan, as you can tell. Now, back to more important stuff. For some reason, we have the social elite or the Hollywood elite have this passion, this absolute uncontrollable desire to tell us how to live our lives. And that they got to stop expanding. It's, oh, my good Lord, we got to put an end to the tar sands. We can't take any more of that nasty oil and do good things with it. You know, how did she get there to Fort McMurray? Did she walk? No. Did she take a dog sled? No, because that would be cruel and inhumane to the dogs, right? Can't have that. So how did you get there? Did she take a camel? No, we don't have any in Canada, certainly not, not for that. So she must have used some kind of internal combustion engine to get there. And yet she's saying we've got to shut down the ma- one of the major sources of energy we have. Now, look, if you've listened to me before, you will understand that my attitude about this is simple. We use fossil fuels for a very simple reason. And no, it's not, so the petroleum companies can control us and gouge us and all that. We use fossil fuels because they provide the most amount of energy in the smallest possible package other than by splitting an atom or a nuclear power. Think about this. If you have a 20-gallon tank on your car and your car gets 40 miles to the gallon, although I don't think cars have tanks that big anymore, but for the sake of this discussion, your car does. At 40 miles to the gallon, that is now 800 miles. That's from about Montreal down to Windsor, roughly. To get a car, an electric car, to do that on one charge without stopping, you'd probably need... Nine-tenths of the car's capacity just to carry the battery. Where would you sit? In other words, you'd need a much bigger car. First of all, it's so it's, in other words, it's impractical. This is why we use fossil fuel. It's flexible. It gives us a tremendous amount of energy in a tiny package. And no other form of energy other than atom splitting gives us anything near this. And yet Jane Fonda, who should be in prison for treason for sitting at an anti-aircraft gun in North Korea, in North Korea, in North North Vietnam, while her country was at war with that country. That's a treasonous act. I don't forgive treason very easily. But, no, the courts obviously had a different attitude about it. So she comes up here. Now, let me share with you some of the things she had to say while she was here. Academy Award-winning actress Jane Fonda said Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's recent pipeline approval shows people shouldn't be fooled by good-looking liberals. Okay, on that point, she's right. (laughs) On On that point, she's absolutely right. Of course, looks have nothing to do with substance. Okay, how did Martin Luther King say it? I have a dream that my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Character is not a physical feature. It is an internal one. And, you know, by the way, Jane, (laughs) there are those who at one time thought you were pretty good looking too, and you're a liberal. So maybe there's a bit of an ironic twist to that statement. Anyway, I digress. At a press conference demanding an end to oil sands expansion on Wednesday featuring indigenous leaders and Fonda, the prime minister came under fire for the three pipelines approvals. Three pipeline approvals, including the Kinder Morgan ta- Trans Mountain Pipe. Ex- Sorry, Tr- Kinder Mount. Oh, man, try it again. Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain expansion. Why can't they just call it the, mountain, the pipeline that goes over the hill? <laughs> Grand Chief Stuart Phillips said he was extremely disappointed by the lies of the Trudeau government. Well, welcome to planet Earth, buddy. He's a liberal. What did you expect? All right, at least one that's in power. Uh,. Fonda, who said Fort McMurray, who who was in Fort McMurray yesterday, to our to our oil to tour the oil sands, said it was so sad to see the people in Fort Mac at the Fort Mac airport be hostile to us. No kidding, you're coming there to shut down their major source of income. You're you're there to destroy their jobs. You're there to wipe their livelihood out, and you are surprised when they get mad at you. God, this woman. Oh, my good Lord. It was so sad. They were hostile to us. Can you believe they hurt my feelings? Oh, brother. She said it repeatedly that she has the interest of the workers at heart when she protested oil sands and said the long shifts and difficult labor of the oil sands are harming the people who work there. You know something, Ms. Fonda? Here's a news flash: These are not stupid people. There's risks to working in an oil field. And if they choose to accept those risks, they are well compensated for it. The oil industry is one of the highest-paying jobs you can get. Work on an oil rig, work on a derrick, work in the oil patch. What do you think kept Canada afloat for the last ten years while Ontario was going down the toilet? Jesus, woman has no understanding. It's it's just it's hard on their bodies. They they know that, and they're smarter than you are because they they're willing to trade a little suffering for a little bit a little extra paycheck. She said she's not there to trash the people for McMurray, but we're running out of time on climate change. No, Mrs. Fonda, we're not. No, ma'am, we're not. We have all the time in the world because climate change happens no matter what we do. It has nothing to do with us. And it would be really nice if somebody would grab her by the shirt front, lift her up onto her toes and say, Lady, get it through your head. You've been lied to or you know... And you need to understand that or you know you've been lied to and you're helping to perpetuate the lie. So it's just this kind of stuff. There's about a two-minute clip of her talking here. Maybe I'll share it with you. If I can get this technical side of things figured out, I think there we go. Uh, Let me see. So here's Jane Fonda in Fort McMurray in all her glory.
6: You know, the reason that I wanted to come here <clears throat> as quickly as I could, when I heard that your prime minister, the shining hope of the Paris climate talks, you know, who talked so beautifully about needing to meet the requirements of the, of, the, uh, of the climate treaty and respect and hold to the treaties with the indigenous people and so forth. And, you know, such a, such a heroic stance he took there and yet he has betrayed every one of the things that he committed to in Paris. I guess the lesson is that we shouldn't be fooled by good-looking liberals, no matter how well-spoken they are. What a disappointment. You know, Trump is no surprise. We know what's... But Trudeau, you know, we all thought, wow, cool guy, right? This is all going to be really good after what you've had up here for a while. What a disappointment. All the science tells us that we cannot keep removing fossil fuels from the earth. There can be no new fossil fuel infrastructure if we have any hope of meeting our Paris climate targets. You know, what already exists, the ones that are all the pipelines and the and the drilling and the fracking that's already there, it's there. And according to the experts, it's enough to allow humankind to make A compassionate well-managed transfer to an alternative way we don't need new pipelines not here not at Standing Rock nowhere and so I want to try to use my celebrity not just here in Canada but in the United States as well and anywhere I can possibly go to lift up this issue so that people because the only way we're going to stop it is for people average people to raise up their voices, put their bodies on the line, and insist that this not go forward.
0: So there you have the average person, multimillionaire, living the life of Riley, Jane Fonda, telling the rest of us that we have to put our bodies on the line. Yeah, Jane, sure, sure. You know, she, maybe it would be better if she just stayed home. All right, we'll take a little break and we'll be back with more right after this.
4: 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra. Eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell him council sent you. That'll make him smile.
0: Okay, three four three seven zero zero four three nine oh eight four four five six two forty seven sixty six are the numbers if you want to reach me and join in the conversation. you can also send me an email note to Nick at cFRA or sorry, I can't believe I said that. Nick at dot <laughs> will have it thy heart, I guess, and you can also um, send me a message or something like that or post on my Facebook page. Uh, just Google Nick and uh, or search Nick Vandegrat on Facebook and you'll track me down that way. All right. Now, um, on another issue, there was uh, out of Germany. Look, this this stuff, you wonder why people get angry. There is a story as uh, in Germany. Well, here's the headline. Fury as German primary school forces children to chant Ahula Akbar in Muslim prayer. Pupils at a primary school were forced to chant, Allah Akbar, there is no God but Allah, an appalled father has claimed. The father of the pupils, the pupil at the girls' primary school in German, in the German ski resort, Gemish. oh God, I can this is why I'll never speak German, Parkin Kirchen, Kirchen, discovered that his daughter had been forced to learn the Islamic prayer when he discovered a handout that she'd been given. He claimed she had been forced by teachers to memorize an Islamic chant, and forwarded the handout to Austrian news service um, to find out more. Now, here's what the handout says. The handout read, O oh Allah, how perfect you are and praise be to you. Blessed is your name and exalted is your majesty. There is no God but you. It's been given to the girl during a lesson in ethics. it is it? Okay. And they've got a photo of the card right here, so you could read it for yourself, right? Although, granted, it's in German, so it's been translated. But what, what would, they, would they would they would they allow in German, because as far as I know, German's a secu, Germany's a secular state, right? Would they allow us to say um uh let's see, the Agnes Day? a part of the Catholic Mass? Would they get up? Would would they allow the children, would they force the children to recite the Apostles' Creed? Would they they insist that they give the Jewish blessing before a meal? Or what about Buddhist chants or, or Sikh rituals, things like that? Would they do those? Of course not. If they did, there would be hell to pay. So why is it okay here? Now I know that the answer is obvious, and the answer is that, especially in Europe, they're afraid of Muslims. They're afraid of Sharia law. So rather than it's this, oh let's appease them, oh let's let's not make them angry. Instead of doing the right thing and saying I'm sorry, we are not going to accommodate that. What you do at home is your business. But we will not allow any form of prayer in our public secular school system. If you want that, there are private institutions that can do that for you. Now, there's a story out of Peel yesterday. I had it brought up earlier, and I have dumped it. But in Peel, they got into a big fight over what they call Friday prayers in the Peel public school board system. Where the heck did that come from? The same thing. You know, the The whole meeting was turned into chaos because one woman got up and started berating Islam. Another woman got up and started berating her. There was yelling and screaming going on. And it was absolute pandemonium. And the problem is that in Peel, just like in Germany, the school boards are afraid to say no. They don't want any controversy. So they build controversy into the future. Because there's no way. Look, I don't have any problem. As an Orthodox Catholic, I, have, I send my kids to a Catholic school. Now, if I found out that they had a Muslim prayer room in there, I would hit the roof. Because I send my kids to a Catholic school to get a Catholic education. If I want them to get a Muslim education, I will send them to a Muslim school. If I wanted them to to get a Jewish education, they would go to a Jewish school. That's what parochial schools are for. But a public school system, a secular school system... If you can't accommodate everyone, you don't accommodate anyone when it comes to stuff like this. This isn't the same thing as saying, hey, bus driver, could you let me off at at little Joey's place? I'm going to his place overnight. You know, and the bus driver knows both families. They don't do that, by the way, (laughs) Uh, just against the rules. And I don't have a problem with that either. But I'm saying, you know, we're not talking about some simple little matter here. This is fundamental to what these schools are supposed to be. Now, if you have a taxpayer-funded public school system that says no religion, this is just about learning your, your three R's, then when someone comes and says, I want you to accommodate my religious beliefs and practices, the school board is duty-bound to say, yeah, we'd like to, but no. We can't do that. Now, if they get upset, if the parents or whoever is making the request get upset, that's not the school board's problem. The school board just says, "I'm sorry, you can't do that. We will not allow that. That is intolerable. We won't do it." But because too many people who are on school boards are afraid of controversy or don't want to get labeled as some kind of phobic, right? Because maybe they've got politi- political aspirations down the road, which is fine. I've been on the air before saying that the school board trustees is the single most elected single most important elected position in the country. I don't have any problem with that. But you cannot... Look, there's an old saying. If you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, then you do. So if the right course of action says that if you're going to get into trouble either way, then you stand up for what's right. So when they come to you to say, I need you to accommodate me because my kids can't get to, you know, the church uh, for Friday Mass, or they can't get to the mosque for Friday prayers, or they can't make whatever. Hey, not my problem. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Okay? The, you're just going to have to learn to work around it. We're not going to do that. And yet, so by because they don't do that, and they don't do it consistently, They build trouble into the future, and that's what happened at Peel last night. This kind of stuff has simply got to end. It simply has to be brought to a stop. And the only way you can do it is by having people on school boards saying, you know, we'd really like to help you. Honest, we would. But we're not going to because it does not fit within our mandate. If you want to have something done... Or you want some kind of accommodation and you had better find a way to work around the school board's you know rules and, and, uh, and ethical practices because we're not doing it. If you don't like it, go start your own school. That's completely legal in this province, in this country. You can start your own school. You do not have to. The law says your children have to be educated. It doesn't say they have to go to school. Homeschool them if that's the case. My wife and I did that for years. And yet here we have it again. Okay, three four three seven hundred forty-three ninety eight four four five six two four seven six six. We'll take a little break when we come back, we'll switch gears. I've got something else on my mind I want to share with you. So you listen to this, and we'll be right back after that.
2: We often hear about the supposed dangers of human-induced climate change, but what about the disastrous consequences of climate policy? For example, the closing of Ontario's coal stations was the single most important cause of the 318% rise in power rates since 2002. Thousands of industrial wind turbines are being erected across the province, killing birds and bats and ruining the lives of people living nearby. The expanded use of biofuels has led to 6.5% of the world's grain going to fuel instead of food. Only 6% of the $1 billion spent every day on climate finance goes to helping people today. The rest is dedicated to trying to stop climate change that may someday happen. Yet the reports of the non-governmental International Panel on Climate Change show that the science backing the climate scare is highly uncertain. Isn't it time we focused on problems we know to be real? This message is brought to you by ClimateScienceInternational.org.
0: Okay, three four three seven hundred forty three ninety eight four four five six two four seven six six. Nick at night at, can- at late night dot com uh, is the email address, and you can also check me out on Facebook. Now, just when you thought the world had gone absolutely bonkers crazy, we find a whole new circus and a whole new set of monkeys. <sighs> There has been in the news a lot lately about this whole transgender thing, right? About fifty-seven different transgendered personalities and blah 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 and all that nonsense. Well, we have hit a new high or low, if you prefer, because now it's not about transgender anymore. Now this story is uh, comes to us from June third, twenty fifteen. Okay, so the National Post. So it's a year and a half old. Uh, But the point is, it's the first time I've heard of it. So I want to bring it to your attention in case it escapes yours. This is Clive Baldwin, and he's explaining to you the merits or why we should be accepting and tolerant of something called transabled. Now, if you don't know what that means, join the club. It took me a minute to figure it out, too. What it means is people who are normally healthy, in other words, they have all their fingers and toes and all their limbs and appendages, and some people actually want them removed. Have a leg or two taken off, an arm or two taken off, or God knows what else. Because their body image doesn't fit their body map. But they feel like who they are. doesn't fit their... What the heck a body map is, I have no idea. But Clive seems to think we don't get it. Clive seems to imply that we're the dummies that these people, oh, their feelings are real and they just don't go away. That's what we have psychologists for. That's what we have psychiatrists for. Because when you think like that, they lay you on a couch and they say, "So, tell me about your relation with your father and begins to take notes. It's called having your head red because it's not whether you have all your limbs that's the problem. It's the fact you don't think you should. That's the problem. That's called insanity anyway here is Clive, you listen to this oh really, he's coming there he
3: transibility is. is the desire or need to move from being able-bodied to uh, being disabled through choice rather than happenstance there are a number of and notions about the causation of this, but people who identify as transabled um, feel the need to align their body, their physical body, with their their body map. The largest number want some form of amputation, um, either one or two legs or one or two arms. Um, A number want to be paralyzed, they have a very specific point at which they want their body to be paralysed. Um, one person we have spoken to wants to become blind, uh, and another wants um, a penectomy, the removal of his penis. For most people, I don't think transability um, is, is even on the radar. That It's not something that you would commonly come across, and it's something outside of the so the usual social imagination we need to move away from pathologizing people and appreciating the the the, the very real distress they they experience they are you know they are not pretending they are not faking they are not playing at it it isn't whim that they want a leg removed You you know the people i've interviewed have very, very carefully considered the options and at present for a number, amputation is the only way forward. Most people would rather not have these feelings (laughs) Um, but they do and they don't go away. So we, you know, society needs to appreciate that however strange it sounds it isn't beyond the pale to you know, allow people to align their body with how they feel they ought to.
0: Now, the first time I heard that, <sighs> the first thought through my head is, what idiot surgeon would ever agree to this? I, I sit here, and I'm not often out of words, but I don't knew, do not know how to describe to you the level of insanity that this is. You've got someone who's physically perfectly healthy decides they're going to have the left arm removed so they can feel that their body image is closer to their body map. What the heck that is, I have no idea. And we think we're and he tells us that we're supposed to accept that, that we're supposed to say, oh. Well, here, here's a knife. Hold still. This might sting a bit. Or fetch me the chainsaw. I can take care of that. Look, this is such an insult to people who are truly... Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. You just spent three or four tours. You're on your third tour in Afghanistan, and your vehicle gets hit by an IED. And you lose both your legs. Did you ask to have your legs blown off? No. Are you going to have to deal with that the rest of your life? Yes. Can you overcome that and try to live as normal a life as possible? Yes. But it's going to take a lot of work and there's a lot of pain in your immediate future. Then you find out some bozo who's got two perfectly good legs had them sawed off for no other reason than they didn't like the fact they had two legs. What, kind, what would go through your head? What kind of crazy is this? And you know where it all starts? It all goes back to this transgender stuff. Because when you take away the barriers for how people define themselves, what's so unusual about this? If there's 57 different personalities, why can you then look at somebody and say, no, no. You have to have, if you're born with all four limbs, then you're going to stay with all four limbs unless an act of God or an act of war or some kind of situation or some disease takes them from you. They say, well, why the heck should I listen to you? You just arranged Mary's plumbing and turned her into Fred. Why is what I want so outrageous? And there you stand going, da, 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 because what do you say to them? There's an old saying that says, "When everything go, anything goes, everything's gone," and we're at that stage. This is nuts beyond imagination. <sighs> three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. How would you feel if you found out that there's taxpayers' money going to this? That somehow this is considered a mental disability that can only be solved with a physical response. I mean, when if they're going to do uh, sex, gender reor- re- reorganization surgery, there's a name for it, and I'm I'm just... <sighs> you know, there's days I think we just ought to stop this rock, and the two or three sane people left on the planet should join me on a rocket ship and, and blast off, because beam me up, Scotty, there's no intelligent life down here. I sometimes think... That you and I are the only two people left on the planet that get it. We're the only sane ones left. The rest of the place is crazy. It really has gotten to that point where just how do you justify this? I don't get it. All right. From one level of insane to another, Robert and I were joking a little bit earlier when he called in that um, liberals can't build bridges. And... I say that, and I'm only half joking, because if you know anything, if you're from the Ottawa area, and when you're on when you're broadcasting on the internet, it's completely possible you're not. Let me give you a little bit of history. There's been three or four different bridges built in the um, metropolitan area of Ottawa, or the municipality of Ottawa, that have had their problems. We've got bridges leaning over, we've got bridges that are too short, uh, we've got bridges had to be rebuilt, and just take too long go over budget there was one budget one bridge that the mayor of the city Jim Watson uh it was 2 years and several million dollars over budget so they had to rehit what's that liberal phrase they come up with now Hit the reset button and then he said it came in on time and on budget yeah 2 years too late and 2 million dollars over budget yeah but that's they that's the way liberals work so there's a whole host of these bridges that have been built and there's always something wrong with them. I remember one that went over the 417 that was too short. Literally too short. They had to lift it up another foot and a half or so to make sure the tractor trailer's going underneath it wouldn't hit it. And they can't build bus barns either. Anyway, so they've got this bridge, the only bridge in western Ontario, up near a place called uh, that spans the Nipigon River. And it's up near Dorian, Ontario. And they built this bridge. It was about this time last year, right in January. around I think it was around the 16th. And the frost and the wind, uh, they, they had it built. And in the fall, Kathleen Wynne was up there with the, you know the great big scissors and cut the ribbon on this great big bridge. Only to find out that come January, the thing heaved by about two feet. The wind got under it. It wasn't built right. Bolts weren't tightened properly. Uh, their their bearings and buckles and and all that sort of thing to keep the, to allow the bridge to flex but not break, weren't designed right. And now apparently, um, <laughs> there could be an investigation by the uh, Professional engineer Society of Canada. I don't have the regulatory body right the name of it, but the people who overlook this kind of stuff have said, wait a minute, there's something going on here. Let me share with you. So this is another case of how uh, liberals just can't build bridges. They just don't know how. They don't know how to hire people who know how to do it. They don't know how to inspect them to make sure they're done right, and they certainly don't know what to do about them when they break. Now, ask yourself this question. This bridge, it's a it's a good-sized bridge. Like, it's not small. It looks from the picture here... Um, I'm going to guess it's over a pretty good gorge. And it's the only one across the Nipigon River. And because of it, if that one fails, if there's a problem on that bridge, you have to go all the way back to, Sault Ste- I think it's Sault Ste. Marie, go down through the States and come up into Manitoba. So it's a great big loop out of your way. It's the only bridge in Canada. It's, it's the choke point. If that bridge fails, you can't get to the west on the ground, Anywhere else, you have to go to the States to do it. And imagine a tractor trailer. It's not like you can just buy a seat on a plane and uh, take 80,000 pounds and slam it, you know, 10 miles over the bridge and then put it back down again. It doesn't work that way. Okay, so here we go. The regula- regulating body for professional engineers in Ontario is investigating the possibility of incompetence in the failure of the Nipigon River Bridge last January, which severed a critical link on the Trans-Canada Highway. Two engineering reports found that improperly tightened bolts on one portion of the first suspension bridge ever built in Ontario had snapped, causing the steel deck to lift about two feet. Imagine that. You're driving along, and all of a sudden the road in front of you goes, boop, high, and it's two feet higher than the piece you're driving on. Think that might screw up the undercarriage of the car? <laughs> it might throw you right through the windshield. Anyway. Other factors that contributed to the failure of the 106 million dollar bridge, just six weeks after it opened, were the design of the shoe plate and its flexibility and a lack of rotation on the bearing. Professional, all that means to say is the hinge that the bridge works on isn't designed right, wasn't tightened up right, and was bound to fail. That's all. That's that's all that meant. Uh, Let's see, the regulator says it has responsibility to investigate any possible engineering practice deficiencies related to the failure and determine if engineering work was carried out by appropriately licensed people and companies. The failure of the bridge in northwestern Ontario forced up to 1,300 trucks carrying an estimated $100 million worth of goods to detour, get this, every day for several weeks. A hundred and ten, a hundred million dollars worth of goods a day. (laughs) Unbelievable. The lane of the two bridges, one lane of the two bridges was was reopened to light vehicles, in other words, cars and trucks, pickup trucks and so on. Uh, One day after the failure, when engineers placed huge concrete blocks to lower the deck to the road level, but it was nearly a month and a half so that'll be about uh, 45 days before a second lane was open to traffic. <sighs> the engineering report released in September found bearing design for the suspension bridge did not comply with the requirements of the contract. The shoe plate, the bolted connection between the shoe plate and girder, the bolted connection between the shoe plate and bearing, and the bearing design all failed to meet the Canadian Highway Bridge design code. The bolts were both too long and not properly tightened during installation, the report, uh, the report found. There was also bolt polish marks on another part of the bridge suggesting that it too was also experiencing bolt bending and was prone to a fracture similar to the Northwest bearing failure, according to one report. Okay, so, you know, when it comes to things like this, see, when you're talking about infrastructure of this size and scale, this is what a government is supposed to do. Like, it's supposed to build and maintain airports. It's supposed to build highways and infrastructure that supports those highways, like bridges. It's supposed to build harbors and ports so that our commerce can get to foreign markets. That's their job. It's one of the few things I think a government should do. And these guys are so so competent. Uh, That's tongue firmly planted in cheek, by the way. That the Liberal government, under Kathleen Wynn and before her dalton mcguinty let's never let let's never forget what went before uh, were um, so good at the job that they couldn't find anybody that was competent to actually do the work or at least to supervise the work to make sure it was done properly. Now, what I'd like to know is who was the engineer who signed off on this bridge there's no mention of that in the report. Because somebody had to sign the document saying yes, it's it's uh, you know up to code and it's safe, and uh, we sign off on it saying that it is so. Like when a mechanic does a safety on your car, he signs off on that safety saying yes, I did it, and yes, for the next thirty days, I guarantee this car is safe. And yet you got a bridge that handles a hundred million dollars a day in business, and nobody you know nobody even bothers to check and see if the bolts are tight. And we want these same people to run an economy, uh, brother. All right. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you this Angus Finnan tune. I was telling you about it earlier, but just to bring you for in case you're joining us a little bit late, uh, I got to find it. There it is. Okay. Um, this song is written about a guy called uh, O'Shaughnessy, and it's I will. The story is well. There was certainly. The the individuals in the story were real. Exactly how the story unfolded is left to the imagination of the songwriter. But Angus Finnan is the artist in question, and I mentioned him earlier in the show. He's from Coburg, and he travels around the country, um, and he writes stories about the Canadian experience. And He was in a town called Cobalt, and he saw a sign called Cemetery Road. So he went up the road. Uh, to the cemetery, because like a good storyteller, there's a a great wealth of information in there that your imagination you can just run away with and make stories about. And um, he decided to have a look around. Well, he found this tombstone, and on it were a husband and wife and two infants had died in childbirth. The wife and two two children had died in childbirth, and he died 47 years later. So he put the song together uh, based on the information he could get from the... um, Tombstone. Now, in a little bit of an ironic twist, my daughter, uh, my oldest daughter, Kate, uh, was taking her cousin up north of uh, Cobalt uh, to a town not too far away to go to school, and they found this particular grave site, uh, graveyard, and the gra- tombstone that Angus wrote the story from, and she said it sent a shiver down her spine. So I'm going to play that for you. This runs about four minutes and it's an amazing piece of music. It's haunting. It's a little bit it, it, It's sad, but it happened like well over 100 years ago. But, you know, when you hear it, it just speaks to the Canadian experience. So here it is. This is um, Angus Finnan and O'Shaughnessy's Lament. Oh, the
1: sun is setting low. Or cobalt and the mines And I've come here again To touch and read the lines Of your name here on the stone No longer flesh and bone oh my sweet Rosella may I miss you When I was but a lad, I signed on with the crew. For a life below the earth, what more was I to do? But as the years went by, you'd wait along the path. I soon lived for your smile and to hear your tender Well, we courted long and dear, while McCarthy was your name. And when you untied your hair, all the flowers were put to shame. So the fellas spruced me up, for the first time in my life. How I felt like I was someone, when you became. This hard rock man So poor in grace and charm, And gave to me a world Lying in your arms Soon from the sound of heartbeats Twins the doctor said But their birth This house left empty And I alone How we pitmen live in fear Of the price that we might pay To never come back up Or see the light of day But narrow one did warn me A life might cave in too. sacred heart that happened When God from me chip away my days deep beneath the ground picking at the rocks where silver's to be found but oh it's all for naught and I'd throw it all away if I could have you need The sun is setting low or cobalt and the mines And I've come here again To touch and read the lines Of your name here on the stone No longer flesh and bone Oh my sweet Rosella May
0: So there you have it, a Canadian, well, tragedy, love song. It's just part of our experience, part of who we are as a people and the kind of things that uh, we endured in order to build this great country. Angus Finnan, what a performer. Now, I would tell you to go and buy his music, but it's hard to find. I had to find him on Spotify and because uh, <coughs> I, I really like promoting really good Canadian art, authors. Or, uh, musicians and performers, and uh, because, you know, they, they do such a great job and don't get the recognition they need, they, they deserve. Now, with that said, I want to switch gears. Uh, there's, there's this ongoing, you know, I, look, when I want to check the weather, I go to the Weather Network, and I punch in my hometown. Right now it's 40 degrees back home in Killaloo. Because I don't like metric, so I always use uh, the good old-fashioned uh, imperial system. I like foot pound, I like foot and pounds and feet and inches and, and uh, uh, you know, gallons and, and horsepower and things like that. I'm very old-fashioned that way. I do not like metric. I don't care if it is easy because it's all divisible by 10. That's not the point. There was nothing wrong with the imperial system. We didn't need to change it. And I'm ranting and I know it. However, I, when I go to this particular uh, website... There's always some kind of wingnut, stupid, um, enviro little quiz you have to take. And in this particular instance, it's not a quiz. There's about a clip here that runs about 49 seconds long about the future. Uh, the, the headline is this. The electric car will dominate by 2025. Auto execs agree. Well, first of all, I don't know what auto execs they're talking about. They do mention a couple here and so. But look. If they think that in 10 years fossil fuel will no longer be part of our lives, they are out of their freaking skulls. It's just not going to happen. Let me play this little clip for you and then we can talk about it. So here we go. And there's there's based on and I have a reason. It's not just cuz we've been over the electric the electric car debate's not new. But there's something else I want to get to here. So let me play this little clip for you come 2025 and in its place will be the electric car. A KPMG survey of auto firm executives finds that 90% of those surveyed expect electric vehicles to (coughs) double by 2025, while 74% believe that most car owners today won't even want to own a vehicle in the near future. The survey comes at an interesting time in electric vehicle innovation, with the next stage of Tesla Motors' Model 3 reveal set to take place early on in 2017. In the meantime, there's the release of the Model 3's top contender, the Chevrolet Bolt. Of all those surveyed, 93% say they plan to invest in electric vehicles over the next five years. What do you think? Will electric vehicles be the way of the future, or will something else take their place? For the com, I'm Dr. Rangan. Okay, there we go. Got to get that one. All right. First of all, there's, a cut. there's some very serious problems with the line of thinking in this. Um, if you go back into the 1950s, and you were to look at some of the predictions they made. They, one of them I remember was that by 1980 we would all be driving V12s with 5,000 horsepower, because in those days the way you solved the problem was just by throwing more cubic inches at the at the problem. Like if you wanted more performance, you just made the motor bigger, and you put in, um, you know, uh, bigger carburetors, put more fuel in the engine, and produce more power that way. They weren't so much in making an efficient use of, the ga- of gasoline, because in those days gas was 15 cents a gallon so that wasn't the problem they said hi you want to go faster fine we'll just give you instead of a 289 we'll give you a 327 you know we'll put a big holly carburetor on it four barrel and uh, that'll just pour fuel in the engine and you'll go a whole lot faster so it was simple engineering uh, that's not the way they look at it today uh, obviously we're not driving around cars that are five thousand horsepower but the real problem with this isn't so much whether or not you think electric cars are real or are going to be part of it's this constant sharing or constant putting out there of quasi scientific stories without any balance to them. There's no recognition of the realities of the marketplace. They just say, well, they say they're going to invest in, you know, 95% are going to invest in electric vehicles. Well, for all I know, that's a lift truck, you know, because a lot of the lift, lift trucks are battery powered, but they work in a warehouse. They don't go outside in the cold. They're not trying to go down the highway at 60 miles an hour. You know, it's just, there's there's so much wrong. So the weather network, and don't get me wrong, it's a very useful tool when you want to know how warm or cold it is outside and what the next 7 to 14 days. And they're pretty good at, at I must admit, their forecasts are, are relatively accurate. Excuse me. So I'm not knocking them, because this isn't just they these guys that do it, but this. Within the media, there's this constant feeding us of information that is, for the most part, junk. Because here's one thing this report didn't tell you. In order for cars, especially in Canada, and I think we all intuitively know this, electric cars, and I was talking about the same thing when I mentioned uh, talking about gasoline earlier. Like the reason why we use fossil fuels in the first place is because it gives us so much energy in such a small package. Okay, The only thing you can get that gives you more bang for your buck and has some serious downsides to it is nuclear, Okay, the splitting of the atom. Other than that, gasoline is the single most powerful form of energy we have that we can use en masse. Electricity has this bad habit of it's really hard to store. And until you've got a battery pack the size of a 20-gallon gas tank that'll give you 800 miles regardless of what the weather does, how warm or cold it is, then you're not going to replace fossil fuels it's just the way it's just not in the cards. The second question is, and this is more of a cultural thing when you start thinking about cars as they relate to our culture, one of the comments one of the first comments I made on this on Facebook was, you know, I don't care what they do, but there is nothing that replaces." A big V8 under full throttle. When I was a kid, my dad had an old mill, a 1969 Delta 88. And under the huge hood that you could have grown an acre of corn on, um, there rested a monster. And it was a 455 cubic inch engine. Now, you put a a four-barrel carburetor on it, one of those old Holley 1050 double pumpers, and you put a high-rise intake manifold and headers on it, well, first of all, the engine came out of the box at 318 horsepower. By the time you were done doing the things I just suggested, you're probably about 425 or 450. And you haven't really done much to the engine yet. You hadn't plane the heads. You hadn't put in, you know, a, a higher ratio cam. You hadn't done anything yet. You just, you know, the, the uh, high intensity, what do they call it, the racing spark plugs and all that stuff. There's all kinds of things you could do to those engines to dramatically improve their power. But when you put your foot down on that thing, the roar that came out from under that engine, uh, f- out from underneath that hood, was like nothing you'd ever heard before. The only thing I can compare it to is the sound of a V12 Merlin engine in a Spitfire going by at 400 miles an hour. An absolute, just, it was mechanical music. And there's a certain culture a a huge chunk of our culture that is entwined with the car. Remember what it represents. And this is something the electric car will never be able to compensate us for. It's not only the sense of freedom, but how much music has been written just for the sake of driving, where you just get in your car. and It's a nice day, so maybe you pull out the... uh, you know, the 1965 Pontiac Parisian uh, ragtop. you put the top down, you put it in gear, and you just go for a drive, just for the joy of enjoying God's creation on the highway with the wind in your hair, your favorite tune on the radio, and your arm around your girl as you go down the road. It's called cruising. That's part of our culture. And you're not going to replace that with anything else. So there's a whole cultural aspect to this like i when when i was looking at some of the things that people posted they started excuse me they started posting pictures of some of their famous muscle cars and i'm thinking to myself you know something when i look at a 69 dodge charger with a super with a supercharger sticking through the hood there's something masculine about that it's all testosterone and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you do your racing on the race course, not on the street. But these guys would go out and spend money. Now, I never had the kind of cash required to do that. The closest thing I ever got was a Ford uh, was a 1962 Ford uh, Super Major farm tractor. <laughs> 65 horsepower, pull three bottoms. So pull a three-bottom plow through heavy clay. Yeah, that uh, really impressed the girls on a Friday night. Anyway, but there was a whole cultural thing wrapped around this that the electric car, like if, you, if you're light and you put your foot down on your favorite muscle car and that roar comes out from underneath the hood, the hum of an electric motor just doesn't cut it. And I think there's a move to rob us of that culture, of that part of who we are, the freedom that comes from owning your own car so that you can go where you want, when you want, with who you want on your own schedule. You're not beholden to anybody else. That's why I don't like public transit. Never mind the fact that you'd have to stand outside to get to work in January when it's minus 40 and the wind blowing around your ankles and your ears, giving you a frostbite while you stand behind a guy who hasn't seen a shower in six months and pay three bucks to get on a bus to take you someplace you don't really want to go in the first place. There's no freedom in that. You're, sl- you're a slave to the uh, to the bus company. You're a slave to the transit authority because you only go when they come by. There's a definite downside to that that I am not interested in. So anyway, that's just a bit of a rant on that because I like internal combustion engines. I like the way they work. I like the way they sound. I like the noise they make. I even, there's something, you know what, when you, I won't say I like the smell, the the exhaust, but I don't know. There's just something about the whole experience. You just can't get any other way. And I guess you, you, it's almost like the argument between um, people who have sailboats and people who have powerboats. One, you know, some people love the, the, the whole sailing experience, and other people just love the sound of the that engine, those engines under their feet as they plow through the water. I, I'm a I'm a power guy. I like powerboats. Sail sailboats I've never understood. If you don't have to use canvas to move you through the water, why would you? But I get it if people want to go the other way. But anyway, I, I think this whole move or push towards forcing us to adopt this whole electric culture is just something I think most people will reject intuitively. Even if it is more efficient, even if it is, you know, could be done uh, economically. It can't be, certainly not yet. It's still many more than 10 years away, if it ever happens at all. And frankly, don't be looking for me to buy a hybrid or an electric car anytime soon. That is just not on. I, my wife was arguing with me the last time we bought a car. I said, what about a hybrid? I said, no. Well, let's look at it. No. But come on. They they, 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 No. Every time she brought it up, I shot it down. And I will continue to do so. I don't like hybrids. I don't want one. I am not interested in one. I want a gasoline-powered car. A diesel-powered truck. That's just the way I am. Stubborn to the end. All right. Well, that wraps it up for me tonight. Thank you all very much for joining me. Whether you listened or, or uh, thanks to Robert for the phone, <laughs> for the phone call. Um, the podcasts are always available. We'll get that. We'll see the yes, Robert. We'll see if we can get December 5th, 14th up for you. Um, I certainly want to get that one up, too, and we'll get this one up as quick as we can so you can come back and listen to it again later. I apologize for the little glitch in the beginning. And like I said, that's it for me tonight. So we'll sign off by saying, CBS." Good evening. God bless. Don't let anything disturb your peace. And may you have a fair wind and a following sea.
5: Of all the money that e'er I had I spent it in good company And all
1: the harm
5: I've ever done Alas, it was to none And all I've done for one time. glass, and drink a health whatever befalls, then gently rise and softly call, good night and joy be to you all, of all the comrades that it I had, they're sorry for. And all the sweethearts that e'er I had They'd wish me one more day to stay But since it fell into my lot That I should rise and you should not I'll change